Well, good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Ron coming to you from the library instead of the Karen Kid room. Give this a shot, see if we can uh, make this work a little bit better. I know this is kind of a busy background. I do have a better background coming, but this is what we got for now, and I'm using a different camera. Hopefully, we got a little bit better quality to this thing and everything, so let's uh, see what we can do here. But, good morning, happy Palm Sunday, and I hope you are not going too antsy, uh, being, staying home and all that kind of, boy, this is certainly a new thing, isn't it? It's, uh, it's wild, it's something that I haven't faced in my lifetime, I know you guys haven't either, but uh, we're going to get through this, we're going to get through it together, God's on the throne, he's going to uh, be with us in this thing. And we're going to come out of this on the other side, I truly believe, better than when we went in in a lot of ways. I know there's a lot of other things going on. Unfortunately, people are sick. People are dying. That's horrible, absolutely. Um, but I think we're going to come through strong in faith. I think we're going to come through with a new perspective on God. Uh, if nothing else, people are seeing in mass around the world just how much we uh, do not control, right? And uh, we need God at this point in time in our lives and always, but I think a lot of other people are going to see that. So uh, hopefully we'll have some opportunities to share, as the Bible says, the reason for the hope that is in us. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get to the message this morning. And obviously today is... Palm Sunday, the Sunday that we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem, right, on the donkey, with the crowd shouting Hosanna and waving palm branches. I don't have any palm branches, sorry. Um, throwing those branches and their own cloaks on the road as Jesus rides by on that young donkey. And as I looked again at this familiar story this year, it occurred to me that most times when I preach, I say to myself, what, well, actually to the Lord, what do you want to tell the people about this passage, about this topic? And when I thought about that, and I, I just felt the Lord asking me, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to walk away with? And when you have that, then give it away. So I thought about that for a while, and uh, I want to look, again, obviously, at this account. I'm going to look at it from Mark's Gospel, so go ahead and uh, grab your Bible, turn to Mark today. Uh, this is an account, the uh, triumphal entry, as it's called, uh, is actually in all four Gospels, one of the relatively few accounts that is in all four. Uh, Mark's account is in chapter 11. So I'm going to start there this morning. Go ahead and read along with me, Mark 11, beginning of verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. Let's go down to verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. 
and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Now before we do anything else this morning, we have to look at the prophetic background of what's going on in these verses. This was not a random event. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here is Zechariah, over 500 years before this happened, right? He's prophesying this very thing, that the king of Israel would ride into Jerusalem, mounted on a donkey. Now think about that for a minute. What king rides in all stately on a donkey, right? And that's why some of the Pharisees and others missed him, because they're expecting this military might, strength of a king to come riding up on a steed. You know what I'm saying? But here he comes, as Zechariah says, humble and mounted on a donkey. With the daughters of Jerusalem and the daughters of Zion shouting aloud, um, Zion is actually another name for Jerusalem, but also it's a name that the Bible refers to Israel and in general. So, daughters of Zion, daughters of Israel, daughters of Jerusalem specifically, shout aloud. And what are they shouting? They're shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, most scholars believe that this word Hosanna in the Greek is a transliteration of two Hebrew words, Yesha, which means to save or deliver, and Ana, which means please, I beseech. Yeshana, put them two together, right? Save or deliver, please, I beseech. That's what Hosanna means, okay? Psalm 118, again, written almost a thousand years before this, in verse 25 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow, pretty cool, right? It's not like they set this up like a movie saying, okay, here's your line, right? This was something that David, uh, this is attributed to David, in the Psalms wrote that many years, almost a thousand years before. Pretty cool. Jeremiah. Uh, 23.5, again, over 500 years earlier, says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely. So, put that all together, and these people knew, these this nation of Israel knew in their holy scriptures, it was told of a particular coming king a descendant of David who would be anointed of God to save them. And here they were, right? Almost a thousand, five hundred some odd years later, depending on the scripture, um, doing that very same thing. Shouting aloud, shouting exactly what was written, proclaiming now Jesus of Nazareth as this 
coming king. This descendant of David, they're proclaiming him as their king and their savior. And as they do, they're spreading leafy branches, right, where he's riding to make his entrance smooth. They're spreading their cloaks under him as well as he rides. Now, you have to understand the symbolism here. Let me ask you a question. What is the difference between wearing Walmart brand clothes and getting your clothes from, clothes from Nordstrom, right, or Lord & Taylor? There's a little bit of a difference, right? Uh, yeah, some of it might be quality or style, but really, when it comes down to it, what we're talking about is identity, right? We wear clothes like that. We want to identify ourselves with that style or that brand name, right? So it was the same back then. Your cloak represented your identity. Rich or poor, shepherd, merchant, priest, right? Everybody was kind of identified by that cloak, by that outer clothing. So to throw that cloak under the king as he was riding by, it was throwing yourself under him. It was declaring this is not only a king, not only the king, this is my king. I am submitting under him. I am proclaiming him my personal king. You see what's going on? They're showing their allegiance through throwing their cloaks down. Now, coming full back to my question that I thought about in the very beginning, what do I want to get from this today? What do I want to get from it? I want to personally be involved in this process. I want to personally recognize and proclaim Jesus of Nazareth as the anointed Savior, the King of Israel, and not only the King, but my King. My King. Amen? Well, let's take a fresh look at Him this morning. The term Messiah, it means anointed. When a king or a prophet or a priest was installed in that office. They were anointed. It wasn't like we do, you know, we anoint the sick. Sometimes we, we put a little dab on the forehead kind of thing with oil. They just glug, 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 glug over the top of the head. The Bible talks about the, the oil running down off of Aaron's beard, okay? It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, a symbol of the power of God coming upon them, not just a little dabble, do you, but a glug, 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 the power of God to anoint them, to empower them, to fulfill the calling that God himself was putting on their life. It wasn't something that was going to be done in their own strength. It was something that was going to be done in the strength of the Lord. Amen? So, this Messiah, this anointed one, would be empowered by God to save his people. Save them from what? Well, John the Baptist had it, right, didn't he? When he pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53, 4-6 says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, God in the flesh, who could do what no normal human being could do. Only Jesus could live that perfect, sinless life and, and thus be the perfect sacrificial lamb, dying not for his own sins, but for yours and mine. And you know how we know for sure that Jesus had no sin of his own? As Peter said on the day of Pentecost, death could not hold him. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. If Jesus would have had his own sin, he would have died. And death would have had a legal hold on him because that's the way God had set it up. But Jesus had no sin. Therefore, he rose again with power, triumphant over sin and the grave, and sharing that victory with you and me. Amen? Pretty cool. But, resurrection, that's next week, right? But he did it. The Anointed One, in his death and his resurrection, saved us from our sin not only saved us from our sin, but from the eternal separation from God that was the just penalty of that sin. And so today, our Hosanna, right? Our please save us when we come to the Lord humbly as sinners and we say please save us, we can follow that up with thank you because it's done. They had no idea, they had no clue back then. They were looking to him to save them from Roman occupation. They, they had, didn't understand the spiritual aspect of what Jesus was really doing. He wasn't just setting up some kind of earthly kingdom. He was setting up a heavenly kingdom. He was delivering the world from sin and reconciling us to his Father. And he did it. He did it. So that Hosanna quickly followed up with thank you and the proclamation then, Jesus is my Savior, the triumphant Savior. He did it. He accomplished it for you and for me. Not only is he Savior, but he's also King. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. He is not just any king. He is the eternal king who reigns forever and ever. Amen? Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's a song that we've sung in church. It says this, One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee shall bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Remember that song? So now, we who have been saved, we acknowledge Him, don't we? As King over our lives. But one day, when He returns, when He puts His foot on the Mount of Olives and splits it in two, the Bible says, right? What a day. When that final battle is over, when Satan and his angels are thrown into the lake of fire, right? And the kingdoms of this world, Revelation 11:15, become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, this Jesus who's riding in to the city. This Jesus, who in humility offered his life on our behalf, but also in power rose again, passing that victory to us. Jesus, the eternal king, whose scepter is righteousness, who rules in perfect rightness forever and ever. That's who he is. One day, one day, church, Every knee will bow before him. But the greatest treasure, the greatest treasure is those who gladly choose him now. Who gladly will throw their cloak at his feet and say, Jesus, you are my king. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much that we are on this side of the cross. That we can come and understand, Lord, that Jesus did it. It's done. He is the mighty Savior. He accomplished what no one could ever do. You anointed him. You empowered him to live that sinless life, to go to the cross to, to bear up under that pain, that suffering, Lord. We, will, we, we can even understand the physical suffering, maybe, but the weight of carrying the sin of the world, Lord, we'll never understand. But you empowered him to do all that. And he rose. He rose victorious. He is our mighty Savior. And Lord, we also come to proclaim him King. Now, as I pray this prayer, I don't know who all is watching, who all is, is listening to this. Is he your savior? Is he your king? This is going to be the most important decision that you ever make. Jesus Christ, the only one who could, and he did it. He died for you. If you were the only one on earth, he would have done it for you. He died for you. He took your sin upon himself, the Bible says. He took that punishment on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be reconciled back in a relationship with God. 
Jesus took our sin and he gives us his righteousness. We don't we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is called the gift of righteousness in the scriptures. When God looks at us, he sees us in the righteousness of Christ. You say, how can that be? I don't know. That's the way God put it. That's the way God set it up. That we would be righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Free of our sin. Free of that penalty. We throw our cloaks at his feet and we proclaim him our King, our Lord, our benevolent Father, our, our Master whom we serve because we want to, because we love Him. Have you made that decision? Again, would you bow your head if it's not bowed already? Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my King. Lord, I open my heart to you. Would you accept me, a sinner, as your beloved child. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Help me to know what it is to walk with God in a brand new relationship. I thank you. And I praise you for coming into my life and letting me come into yours. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you once again for welcoming me via video into your home, into your wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And uh, I hope this message has been encouraging for you and uplifting. And I hope that you get from this what I got from it. And you can go to a place of prayer and just say, Jesus. You're my Savior. You're my Lord, my King. And have that just resonate in your heart all day. Because that's who He is. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. We're going to continue to keep in touch. Uh, remember, if you need anything, get a hold of your buddy. Get a hold of me. We're going to take care of each other. We're going to see each other through this. God's on the throne. He's with us. And uh, we'll be in touch. Amen? Amen. Have a great day. God bless you.